As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. A uh, is the first June session of the FF. I think it is. It is. Yeah. Oh, still on the great divorce. Um, so I think today we're going to look at uh, trying to get through as many as we can, but I think we're going to look at the uh, the mother, the man with the lizard, and if we can get to it, uh, like to. Try to tackle the lady. Um, not physically. <laughs> Jeez, it really hurt her. Um, so it'll be, it'll be chapter 11, is where we'll start today. Um, yeah, if you did try to tackle the lady, you would probably end up hurting yourself. Oh, yes. Because you fall onto the grass and <laughs> catch in pieces. Yeah, I would bounce right off, slam to the grass, cut myself into shards. Yeah, that would not be. I'm assuming you're the protagonist in this situation. <laughs> Could I even jump there? I wonder. Like, oh, you know, yeah. that would be, be interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, how many of this was the first time that they read this book? Okay, so that's two. And. Uh, <laughs> You guys wouldn't mind just what what are your thoughts? So this, is, this is like the third week. Is the third week we've done this? Second or third week? I missed a week, so I think I think it's second or third week. Um, what what are your just your overall thoughts on the book as you're reading it? Um, how does it stack up to other Lewis things that you've read? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't mean to. I just I'm just very curious because um, I've read this book like a dozen times. So. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear from someone who hasn't, who hasn't read it before. It's a very interesting experience. I'm on chapter 12, my okay. first time through, and I enjoyed it from the first sentence. Mm. I was extremely surprised at how um, rapid it goes, yeah. how um, funny the book is. Mm. Um, I got sucked right into characters, saw myself in a whole lot of this. Yes. And thought, oh my, and really, oh my. <laughs> um, and said to my husband, you have got to read this as soon as I finish. I really liked it. Mm. Yeah. Yes, I always, I could always see myself in each of the, a little bit of myself in each of the characters. It's so humbling. Um, Especially me up to the tragedian. 
Yes. <laughs> oh, Mr. Deedian. That is. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Where is he after? He yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the the woman. The lady. Yeah. That's the lady. Oh, that is just it's like one of the best. Yeah, it's so good. When we get to the lady, we may we may just spend one whole group on the lady maybe next time just because at the end of that he goes on this this theological rant that that there's something so deep that he's discussing that I'm not even sure what it is yet. I mean it's there there's some there's some nuggets in there that need to be that need to be mined in that. Uh, one of the things that I'm always surprised about Lewis's writing, but equally surprised again at this book, is how relevant it is for today, even though it was written. And um, I, I said to one of my sons, it's like Lewis wrote this last week, mm -hmm. talking about today. <laughs> Just really amazes me. What do you guys? What do you guys think? Why do you think writers like Lewis and Tolkien and 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 these guys? Why do they stay relevant? How, how is, in a sense, like how is Shakespeare still being taught? Why why is he relevant? Milton um, and these guys. What what is it about their writing that makes them continue to stay relevant? Definitely the pop culture references, uh, because those never go away. <laughs> they never go away, right? <laughs> right. Everyone Easter will up. remember TikTok. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Marvel tie ins. Mar the Marvel tie ins, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the political um, allusions in there, you know. It seems like there's a paradox. If you write about your specific life, Mm -hmm. as uh, specific as you <laughs> to your experience that it ends up connecting on a universal level because if you're writing about somebody else's life you're just trying to imagine what it's like but if it's your life then, and you're connecting to it then that makes it easier for everybody else too I think. Mm -hmm. and so he's writing about Greytown which I'm sure he had walked through towns like that <laughs> yeah it just was like the closest thing to purgatory he could think of was a drab, smoggy town. Yeah. <laughs> other people who wrote the story in another setting might have used a different setting that made sense to them. Yeah. But it wouldn't have worked if he had tried to use another setting because he wouldn't have been able to describe it as well. Well, actually, Lewis. Does, mentions that very thing in uh, that hideous strength. He says, "I wrote about a college because it's all I know. I couldn't have written anything else because I couldn't have I couldn't have used the the mechanism. The, the device wouldn't have worked if I would have mentioned another kind of occupation because I don't know anything else other than college. So I use the university setting because that's what I knew. So yeah, that's that's good. Anybody else? And why why these? How does Lewis seem to be?" Prophetic and have foresight because that's why we that's why we read him, right? Is because when we read him, we, we feel connected to him, but also more connected to ourselves and more connected to our world. It's this interconnectedness that a guy 50, 75 years ago was writing, but it's fresh. How how is that possible? 
If I really knew the answer, I'd probably be doing it already. Understanding the nature of humans mm. and importing that into yep. his prose. Um, when you can see a person uh, for who they are, flaws and all, um, and see yourself for who you are, flaws and all, it tends to allow you to express those truths in a more fundamental fashion that kind of transcends time, I think. I don't know. It, and how he does it. That's, I think, really why it works, is that he's so clever and good at it. But he sees what we all see, but he just sees it with a bit more clarity, and then he can express it in a way that's both accessible and uh, intellectual at the same time, which is his greatest strength, I think, is, is his ability to express high topics in a way that's sim simple but doesn't reduce it. It's not reductionistic. Um, I think that's probably his best his best writing attribute for my for my money is that he can talk about those things at such a extraordinarily basic level on one on one hand and at the same time it's just like light years beyond what you would ever imagine. Yeah. So. Go ahead. Maybe maybe um, not aim incorrectly, but we'll see. The Psalms. So there's like so many different layers in the Psalms. There's there's lamentations, there's the Holy Spirit writing foreshadowing and then it actually happens in Jesus's day which is so weird I can't understand it makes no sense to me I'm like how did he and then he's playing it out that's so weird then I read it and then I also relate with it too mm -hmm. so I'm like this is so multi-layered it how did this kind of concept even get written I mean this is just some dude kind of crying about things and getting pissed about stuff and like but there's a whole narrative structure there too and the prophetic of that, I mean, the Holy Spirit wrote that through him, so it's like that—that's kind of what that reminds me of. It's like it's still relevant, and it was relevant for Jesus too. It's weird. So, what if we pull back from Chesterton, right? How does he start out discussing first man or ancient man? He said the only thing we know about ancient man is. He was an artist. That's the only evidence we have. Perspectival drawings in caves to be procured and passed down. Man's an artist. So this that we have this notion today, and this 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 is where modernity kind of pushed us in this progressive element is that new is always better, right? That's the way technology works. Technology works, the iPhone 13 is better than the iPhone 5, right? And actually, as soon as they put the 13 out, it's obsolete in a few weeks because there's something else better. Philosophy doesn't work like that. Now, it probably doesn't work like that because, this is my feeling, is there's an optimal stasis psychologically and philosophically. There is an optimal range of things that are correct and things that are not correct. And so that doesn't change.
because human nature and human, human condition is, is pretty static. The same problems they were dealing with in the Old Testament, well, we're still dealing with today. And so you look at this and you go, so this, if you guys want to read something beautiful, challenging, and blow your mind kind of stuff, read Jung and the Collective Consciousness. And he talks about these, these things. I mean, so Lewis is not the first person to talk about purgatory, right? Um, and as David was saying, he distills these things down. So well. has anyone read The Four Loves? I thought I was going to breeze through The Four Loves. I thought I was going to read, like, this is going to be a, good, a great book. Well, like two pages in, I have to stop and really think about what he's talking about. It, it just goes deep. Because he's thought about these things and thought about these things. And so when he says a sentence, much like Solzhenitsyn, it is so weighted. It's been so tested and tried and true. When he writes it, it transcends not only his position, but it transcends the whole of humanity. Because he's bringing that higher language down to the lower so we can access it. But it's a higher ideal. And it's, so it's transcended. So it's not, like I've been saying, it's not TikTok. It's not these things that are... That are, that are descriptive only. It's like this transcendent truth that we tap into, and it's true no matter what generation picks it up. And it, it is these kinds of books that we need to read that will sustain culture, right? If I write a descriptive book about my personal life, but I write it just from my perspective and my truth, it's only good for me. But when I try to understand the human mind, I try to understand human consciousness and archetypes and, and transcendent truths, then if I can do it well enough, I'll stumble onto something like this, right? And you look and you say, there are good writers like Philip Pullman, who wrote The Golden Compass, right? That is the anti-Narnia book. That is the book where he tries to kill God. He actually says, I'm, trying, I'm going to try to, to kill God in the minds of children, and I'm going to try to eradicate God. I'm going to undo what Narnia did to children. That's basically what he was trying to do. He got the CBE award. He's got, he's, that's basically knighted for literature and things like that. Lewis got the same thing. But yet, the Golden Compass is nowhere near Narnia. Why not? You look, he's like, because the Golden Compass doesn't have the transcendent truth that will bring, that will transcend people, that transcend cultures, and bring a truth that we can all touch and taste and feel and know to be true. Where Narnia brings those things in, when my son read the lines, uh, Aslan's on the move, he said, my cheeks exploded, my hair got tight. He had no idea what was going on. He was seven years old, and he had a transcendent experience with that book. Well, and if that's the spell that breaks all the curses, mm -hmm. then the goal encompasses the curse that's competing with that. It's, it's the so enchantment that has yeah. to be broken. Yeah, not <laughs> beaten to that. So. It's the lower trying to be made to be exactly. higher, yeah. where the higher comes out of self. Yeah, so there's, these are all things that are very important as we, as we look at literature and why, why Lewis speaks to us so, so well. Um, I always point out that there are a bunch of books on witches and wizards and things. Why is J.K. Rowling a, a billionaire? is because she tapped into transcendent truths and archetypes in the book that we were starving for and we didn't have any, we didn't have a new voice for that. And she brought those to bear because she was steeped in classic literature and the world is probably better off for having Harry Potter in it. 
So, all right. Does anyone want to read? Uh, start in chapter eleven. We're just going to read some. Uh, is anyone brave enough to do that, or do you want me to stumble through uh, chapter chapter eleven? I have a problem reading out loud because I'm thinking while I'm reading, <laughs> and I get tripped up because I'm having thoughts while I'm uh, just. I can I can attempt. Where are we starting? Just one of the most painful. Okay. To where? To where? Yeah, just just uh, I'll just say stop. Okay. All right, give it my shot. One of the most painful meetings we witnessed was between a woman's ghost and a bright spirit who had apparently been her brother. They must have met only a moment before we ran across them, for the ghost was just saying in a tone of unconcealed disappointment, Oh, Reginald, it's you, is it? Yes, dear, said the spirit. I knew you expected someone else. Can you, I hope you can be a little glad to see, to, to see even me for the present. I didn't think Michael would have come, said the ghost, and then, almost fiercely, he is here, of course. He's there far up in the mountains. Why hasn't he come to meet me? Didn't he know? My dear, don't worry, it will all come rightly, right presently. It, would have, it wouldn't have, have done, not yet. He wouldn't be able to see or hear you as you are at present. You'd be totally invisible to Michael, but we'll soon build you up. I should have thought if you can, can see me, my own son could. It doesn't always happen like that, you see. I have specialized in this sort of work. Pause for a second. That's very interesting. He's... Certain ghosts specialize in when hell takes a holiday to go in and to be these mediators. I don't even know what to make of that. That's, that's <laughs> like kind of. There, there are different levels. There are, there are responsibilities and duties and jobs and. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's that. I, that's just I don't know what to make of that. Um, Probably his kind of his, his uh, he kind of keeps up a lot of his literatures just that were made for work, right? Uh, we're made for we're made for things and then our, our functions, you know, have purpose now and forever. And uh, he he has that he has it a lot implicitly. You can see it in Narnia a lot. Every beast has its own function mm -hmm. in the kingdom. And, uh, and that function is neither good nor bad. It is just simply their function, and that's a good thing them to fulfill their function. Mm. I wonder if that's what he's getting at here again, is that we each have our function, and one of the functions is to go and be evangelistic, mm -hmm. even in heaven. And there's offices and gifts and different parts of the body. Mm -hmm. Even different levels of angels, different jobs that angels echelon. have. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. echelon, there's hierarchy. Yeah. Each one, we, we typically name demons, <coughs> not by their actual name, but by their function. Mm -hmm. the same angelic beings, so. That, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. I just thought that's that's just again, he's so he's so thought this out. It wasn't just thrown together. It's it is layered upon layer upon layer. Yeah. I was gonna say it reminds me in the Luke where Jesus talks about the rich man Lazarus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lazarus talk. I mean the rich man talks to Abraham. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't even know. If Lazarus was aware, you know what I mean. Like Abraham could talk to the. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. That Lazarus wasn't talking; it was just Abraham was the one. Yeah. So, you you might have been there for a certain 
length of quote unquote time, and that allowed you to access. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Certain information and certain growth or certain abilities even. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Stop. <laughs> it doesn't always happen like that. It doesn't always happen like that, you see. I specialize in this sort of work. Oh, it's work, is it? Snap the ghost. Then, after a pause, well, when am I going to be allowed to see him? There's no question of being allowed, Pam. As soon as it's possible for him to see you, of course he will. You need to be thickened up a bit. Hal said the ghost. The monosyllable was heard hard and a little threatening. I'm afraid the first step is a hard one, said the spirit. But after that, you'll go on like a house on fire. You'll become solid enough for Michael to perceive you when you learn to want some, someone else besides Michael. I didn't say more than Michael. I don't say more than Michael, not as a beginning. That will come later. It's only the little germ of a desire for God that we need to start the process. Okay. Wow. Hmm. Anybody want to tackle some of that stuff? <laughs> Anything jump out at you there? Just, it, just his awareness of human nature is just staggering. Just what what he sees in people, and, and you know, like any writer, you know, he had to have called some of that out of you know people that he'd known and seen and observed. But just those levels of motivation, of spiritual motivation that he gets to, you know, is just staggering. Like, just this mother's desire for her son more than anything else. And that that has to be, that has to be broken or pruned first before she can move on at all. And, we'll, you know, they'll get into it more later, how that even seems to be, like, stacking human virtues up against God, how it seems blasphemous to say, oh, yeah. oh but a mother's love. You know, how could that be? You know, the, just the challenge that... It's like when the ghosts get to this plane, like, 
you can see that their whole their whole world, their whole whole you know self-centered worldview is just completely exploded. You know, she's like, well, just let me know what I have to do, mm -hmm. and let's get to it. And uh, let me talk to your manager, <laughs> and let's get this process started. Mind you, a Karen, huh? Yeah, a little bit. A little Yeah, has anyone read uh, Sheldon Menachem's Severe Mercy? There's a lot of severe mercy in this book. Hmm. Uh, if you haven't read it, it's, it's a fantastic uh, book. Um, and I won't ruin it for you, but there are things that, they, that happen in their life that they come to find out that it was a terrible tragedy that they found out in the, in the, in the end was actually a mercy of God. And knowing that certain tragedies and certain things that we think are unbearable actually are mercies. And uh, that's what she's finding here. And I love it that he says that will come later. It's only a little germ of, of desire. They're, they're, he's not asking, they're not asking for you to become solid in a second. They know it's a process. But we're just, just a germ of desire. A seed, so small. That's all. I just, I just need to know that you think the possibility that you could love something more than your son right now. I just need to know that that's a possibility. To move on. Go ahead. Oh, you mean religion and all that sort of thing. This is hardly the moment. And from you, of all people, well, never mind. I'll do whatever's necessary. What do you want me to do? Come on. The sooner I begin, the sooner... The They'll let me see my boy. I'm quite ready. But Pam, do you think, don't you, don't you see you're not beginning at all as long as you are in that state of mind? You're treating God only as a means to Michael. Mm. The whole thickening treatment consists in learning to want God for his own sake. You wouldn't talk like that if you were a mother. You mean if I were only a mother. But there is no such thing as being only a mother. You exist as Michael's mother only because you first exist as God's creature. That relation is older and closer. No, listen, Pam. He also loves. He also has suffered. He also has waited a long time. If he loved me, he'd let me see my boy. If he loved me, why, why did he take away Michael from me? I wasn't going to say anything about that, but it's pretty hard to forgive, you know. Okay. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> take a stab at that, guys. That's... I love the, I wasn't going to say anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Because clearly she was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that was like, in the door. Yeah, like, yeah. and. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't going to bring this gun. I just had it in my back pocket. <laughs> right, right, right. Just, now that you mention it. <laughs> just like, oh man, that's one of the best parts. But, yeah, no. Um, it's, it's so, so thick. Um, Sometimes I sometimes wonder. I sometimes wonder what, when I like think about this part, whether this understanding that comes from, and I'm kind of getting ahead of it a little bit. Mm -hmm. This understanding that comes from what eternity truly means yeah. to those who believe 
if that if that mental block is so far beyond our inability to grasp it on the emotional level that it's almost impossible um, when it's about anyone uh, when it's about us and, and like and except it's only possible when it's about someone else because intellectually I can grasp what this is, where this is going. You know, I can grasp the understanding of eternity that, that Michael had to be taken up, and that his time was at that point done. That she had to be, had to have him removed for his good, and, and and if nothing else, but then also just because that's that's that was what it was. And I, I think, like to myself, I know I can't, I can't know this because I'm not. I'm not there yet, but if someone has taken from me too soon, mm -hmm. am I able to to grasp that on an emotional level so that I can, mm -hmm. so that I, or it, will my intellect overcome my emotion or will they yes. meld together mm -hmm. enough to be able to bear that? And I think that's in part the process of grief and why we have it. Yes. Um, but it's, it's also, it's so hard here in the, in the here mm -hmm. and now to look at someone and say, Maybe this is for good. And yes. How do you say that to someone? And yeah. the only way I can ever say it is say, read this book. Because <laughs> like, right. like, that's it. That's the only yeah. way. Because it's never gonna. I'm never gonna be able to say it to them, and they and they'll they'll take it. Yeah. Right. And I I don't think I know a person who will be able to take it. Like I get punched in the face ninety nine <laughs> times out of a hundred. Right. Um. Mm. And yet there it is. Well, it's funny because a little bit later on, I don't know if we'll read this far, but I mean, he himself says, could one dare, could one have the face to go to a bereaved mother in her misery when one's yeah. not bereaved oneself? Yeah. And the response is, no, that's no office of yours. You're not a good enough man for that. <laughs> when your own heart has been broken, it will be time for you to think of talking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's oh. a great, that's, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. Just like, dang, dude. There you go. Right there. It, when, someone, when someone is grieving, we we offer platitudes and 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 there was a story I read where a, a pastor said the most impactful person during he lost his son was a was a man came and just sat said sat. nothing to him and just sat with him. That shit. Yes. You go. Wow. I was gonna bring up Job. Yeah, Job. His, his friends just when, when they were silent. Yeah. That was the best when they opened their mouths. Intellectualize it and, uh, yeah. and make all these things up, and some of them were correct, some of them were actually really wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that I think it's the Hebrew practice of sitting shiva. I think that's how you say mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. It's just when you just sit there with them and yeah. you just don't say anything and you just let them cry and talk. Yeah, let them process. <laughs> yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I only had that happen one time in my life where I had my friend, he was like in his early 40s and he lost his son. And I went back home and I just, he was just writing, a, he was writing his eulogy. Mm. And I just sat there. <laughs> I didn't say a thing, yeah. man. I, if nothing, I just was like, this, this is awful. I just like kept going, like saying that kind of stuff over and over again. And I had nothing else to say. Yeah. And, but to this day, he says that was one of the most valuable things I've ever done for him in, in my life. And I'm like, okay. Right. Uh, it didn't feel that way at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They kind of need to bounce off of another person, <clears throat> but really you're just kind of there. It's another human that's absorbing that. Yeah. It's therapeutic for them, I think. They, they actually need that. Yeah, I've wondered that a bunch of times, especially recently. I like yeah. I started going to counseling a little bit yeah. like, towards the end of last year, and there are times where it's like, why do I need another person to do this? <laughs> like, I don't understand that. Yeah. Like, what, what is happening when I'm saying, like, you don't have to say anything, mm-hmm. but the fact that I know someone else is hearing it mm-hmm. is, like, for some reason, deeply cathartic sometimes. Yeah. And it's totally. like, what? <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's not my cat. It's not a brick wall. Yeah. It's, it's another conscious being. Yeah. It's a thing. It's very strange. It's programmed into us yeah. to, to want to seek that, to seek that community. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's wacky. I said same experience for me too. Yeah. Like I would sit there, sit there and talk to my counselor when I was when I was going through some stuff, and I was just like, all of a sudden it was just blow. Yeah. The answer would come out of my mouth and be like, Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess we're done. For the day. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I learned I learned that five years ago when I started entertaining counseling, and I was like, what? How is that coming out of my mouth? Like I've never externalized it, and it starts floating to the top, and I'm like, five years later now, I'm like best friends of my counselors and like get philosophical and stuff like yeah it's weird how the answer can actually come out of you yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah I really like how he uh, when he says if I were only a mother um, so he's attacking identity here he's poking he's poking at her saying your, ident- your identity is in the wrong place um you were you were God's creation first. What does he say before? What's what's the context of that? Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit. Yeah, she says uh, uh, you're treating God as only a means because you wouldn't talk to me. You wouldn't talk like that if you were a mother. Ah, so, okay. so yeah. this is the whole thing of you don't have my epistemology, therefore yeah. you can't make any judgments on him. He's like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. If I were only a mother. If you were only a mother, then that would be true. But you're not. You're more than that. You're actually a child of God. You're actually it's more ancient. A, a daughter. Your 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 identity actually is circumspect. Not, but you've chosen to elevate mother as the highest ethic. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "That's you've made that your idol. That's where he's going for. This is your idol. And it has to it has to come down. <clears throat> That's the whole point. And it's hard because when you build those idols in the groves and." You don't want to see that destroyed because that's the thing that's elevated, but it's not sacred. He's telling you that's not sacred and it has to go. It's a great destruction of identity politics right there. Yeah. In one paragraph. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's too. It's, it's, a, it's a destruction of most of our, our 
modern Western mindset too about like which is that we you know that we are what we do or that mm -hmm. we are the thing mm -hmm. that we you know we are our calling <clears throat> And yeah, it's like yep. that's 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 bananas. Like yeah. when you when you when you run it through that, it's just like oh, of course no, of course not. <laughs> like yeah. there is so much more to you than the thing that you were engaged in at the moment. Yeah. Um, and there's so much more to you because of who infused you with being and oh, substance. Yeah. And uh, you know, never met a memorable. What remember Lewis talks about that a a, uh, a British soldier and a German soldier might shoot each other, in 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 anger, thinking each you know out of hate, and then moments later in the afterlife be laughing about it, like you know, <laughs> and just just like well that didn't matter. Because we, we think about this, what what is our greatest fear as humans? Because life is limited. It's, it's losing our life, right? Death. And then you read Jesus like oh why death. Where, where's your, where's your, you're staying great, where's your victory? I conquered death. And for Christians, we should take that as like, well, that should be a pressure off of us. And we're just like, I'm going to follow after Christ because in my life, even Paul says for me to die is, is gain. I'm crucified with Christ. Yeah. But we, we've taken the, the uh, have you guys ever, ever seen the uh, SNL's hit YOLO with Andy Samberg? So he starts out going, YOLO, only one life to live, and he's out doing all these crazy stuff. And he starts going, YOLO, only one life to live. And then he's in this oh, padded yes. room with Perez and Purell, and everything's <laughs> locked up. He's like, you know, just like he's in a straight jacket and shit, because I only have one life. Only. And they're like, I don't look out. Yeah, I don't look out. So that's what we, as Christians, when we start, self, we start focusing in on ourselves, we start to become um, restrictive in both. Christ, like, unless you give your life, mm -hmm. you will lose it. And so all these different treasures. Different treasures, yeah. <clears throat> it reminds me uh, of the, the Ukrainian stuff going on right now. You know, it's actually, it's like, you can't hate the Russian soldiers either because maybe they don't even agree with the government. And then there's the people of, of, of Russia that don't agree with it. So now it's like... What do the Ukrainian soldiers hate the Russian soldiers? Or because there's instances where they'll capture them and then get them to call their moms, and I'm like, dang, that, that's that's wild. Yeah. So is there actual hate there, or is there something else going on too? Was, remind me of that. So. Wow. All right, go ahead. Yeah, all me. I always lose my place. Uh, Story of my life. <laughs> Good thing I highlighted before I had to finish. Uh, but he had to take Michael away, partly for Michael's sake. Wow. I'm sure I, I'm sure I did my best to make Michael happy. I gave up my whole life. Mm. Human beings can't make one another really happy for long. And secondly, for your sake, he wanted your you were merely instinctive love for your child. Tigresses, tigresses share that you know, to turn into something better. He wanted you to love Michael as he understands love. You cannot love a fellow creature fully till you love God. Sometimes this conversion can be done while the instinctive love is still uh, while the instinctive love is still gratified. But there, there, but there was it seems no chance of that in your case. The instinct was uncontrolled and fierce and monomaniac. Ask your daughter or your husband. Ask your own mother. You haven't once thought of her. 
The only remedy was to take away its object. It was a case for surgery. Wow. When, when that first kind of love was thwarted, then there was just a chance that in the loneliness, in the silence, something else might begin to grow. This is all nonsense, cruel, and wicked nonsense. What right have you to say things like that about mother love? It is the highest and holiest feeling in human nature. Pam, Pam, no natural feelings are high or low, holy or unholy in themselves. They are all holy when God's hand is, in, is on the rain. They all go bad when they set up on their own and make themselves into false gods. My love for Michael would never have gone bad. Not if we'd lived together for millions of years. You are mistaken, and you must know. Haven't you met down there mothers who have their sons with them in hell? Does their love make them happy? You mean people like Guthrie, woman, and her dreadful body? Of course not. I hope you're not suggesting if I had Michael, I'd be perfectly happy even in that town. I wouldn't be always talking about him until everyone hated the sound of his name, which is what Winifred Guthrie does about her breath. I wouldn't quarrel with people for not taking enough notice of him and then be furiously jealous if they did. I wouldn't go about whining and complaining that he wasn't nice to me, because, of course, he would be, he would be nice. Don't you dare suggest that Michael could never become like the Guthrie boy. There are some things I won't stand. All right. <laughs> so Yikes. No natural feelings are high and low in themselves. That was it. Things are holy when they line up with God. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think that's the interesting thing, that we, we live in we live in the... We live in the ubiquitous world of the kingdom of God where grace abounds. And when we do the right thing, the things that have moral virtue seem to benefit. But it's not because we did them that they benefit. They benefit because they're of truth or they're transcendent or they're of God. And that's where they get their benefit from, not from because we did them. 
um, as if us doing them created the virtue of that. It's they were already virtuous, they were already good, they were already holy. We just aligned ourselves with the thing that is holy. We aligned ourselves with the right philosophies. Um, they, they preceded us because they were of God. Um, what do you guys think about the uh, Winifred Guthrie being mad if people didn't notice her son and then being jealous when they did notice? Is that not hell? <clears throat> It is pretty shocking, and it's pretty spot on, too. Like, you've met that person. Like, you've all yeah. met that person. Huh. And methinks she doth protest too much. Mm, yeah. Like, that's exactly where yep. she and Michael would be if she did get him. And she's using all that as like almost it's it's almost sounds like a pre-planned weapon, like again, like she's got it just in her back pocket ready to go, and she push she pushes on the gas too fast at the end. Uh, don't you say any of that? I won't have it. I won't stand for any of that. Like she's she's shutting down that corner before it can even be turned, and it's just yeah, human reasoning. It just doesn't fly. I mean, at every turn, she throws all of her reasoning out there, and and, yeah. and the ghost just wipes it away with just <laughs> just a few words. Just says no, that won't. Yeah. No, it's not right. Literally. Um. <clears throat> so I'll read a little bit. So Stephen doesn't have to. I was also I was thinking, uh, what is it? Whatever you do, on, uh, you did for the least of these, you did for me. Yeah. That, that seems, it's it's holy. Like, I don't know, maybe it's interesting because, like, even an atheist, uh, you could say, who feeds the homeless, maybe he's doing it out of the kindness, kindness of his heart, but he doesn't know God in that way, but it still seems to be an act of holiness. I mean, that's to, just to tie that in. A great mystery indeed. Yeah. <laughs> when I have pondered it on a long time. <laughs> also, like, the idea of. For going down this road, you know the idea of uh, so Christ, Christ comes, zero AD. All right, clock starts, <laughs> yeah. and then there's like how many millions of other people around the world who just physically can't know about him yet. But at the same time, are they not doing unto him? Uh, do they not have that chance? That's yeah. the Romans yeah. one kind of. They didn't have a law, but it was it's in yeah, the yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. I think that's one of the appeals of purgatory. Is we think people don't get a fair shot on earth. Mm -hmm. That if they just had a little more, then they'd be ready for heaven. Or they would convert. And that, you know, it's a really powerful argument. So let, let's, let's pull on that for a second. So if... <coughs> If we save our life, we will lose it. If we lose our life, we will save it. Because if we hold on to life so dear and we YOLO this thing, even when we're given the chance in, in, the, in the shadow of life, on the edge of purgatory, will we give that up? Has, has anybody stayed yet? No. Not yet. No. And that took the timeline of the book? 
Yeah, the deal. No one yet. So the next section here, he, she, uh, the ghost says, your your wife and your daughter, you left them, you destroyed them. Basically, they love their they love their brother, but ten years is too long for you to. He's like he's like basically you. He says uh, it was the all you chose to have. It was the wrong way to deal with sorrow. It was Egyptian-like embalming of a dead body. For ten years, you made a shrine to him while your family yeah. suffered, and you you went away. It's like that's not a mother's love. That um, is that is we can use that term. It's it would be uh, toxic motherhood in that sense. You know, it would be. Uh, Straight up idolatry. I've seen idolatry. That all too often, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a, a maleficent, you know. That that is. Uh, Peterson talks about the, the the There's two two types. There's there's the, the the good mother, who's the queen. She's the she's the queen of of everything. And then when you have the evil queen, that is that is all of the traits, the feminine traits that have gone too far. Like uh, a compassionate Satan, right? You're, they, yeah. you, empathy and things, but it goes to the point where empathy is, I know what's best for you. Listen to me, the evil stepmother, yeah. right? That's the maleficent thing. Yeah. And so, this is what I see when I see her. I see, I see this, this beautiful thing perverted, um, and it's it's terrifying, actually. Yeah. It's um, fair to say that she loves the idea of Michael. Yeah. Loving Michael. Well, that, well, then it, it's it's like the death of anything, like a relationship or anything. You have this image of them that's actually not fair to them because you're holding on to something mm. that's not them anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, is that even them? So can can we can we say this? When she says Michael, she means something different when, than when the bright person says Michael. They mean two different things, wow. and that's the chasm, right? Wow. Is is they don't they're not talking about the same thing. She's talking about a possession, yeah, mm -hmm. as opposed to a soul. She's talking about something that's hers. Yeah. And she actually says he's mine. Yeah. yeah. He's mine. Wow. And she keeps repeating that like uh, Finding Nemo. Mine, mine. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or had she even considered the other person's perspective, which this uh, this this bright spirit is is allowing them to see her to see? Yeah, that's another thing. Is how often do we get outside of ourselves and try to consider their how they view us? All right, I want to read this, and then we're going to go on to uh, we're going to try to touch on the the lizard guy, not not the Spider Man lizard guy. Um, uh, that's what we find when we reach this country. We've all been wrong. That's the great joke. We, we're all wrong. Again, again the ghost brings up, we're wrong. We didn't get it. We didn't even come close to getting it. And we didn't have to. Um, there's no need to go on pretending one was right. After all, we've been, uh, after that we begin living. How dare you laugh about it? Give me my boy. Do you hear? I don't care about your rules and regulations. I don't believe... In a God who keeps a mother apart, and a son, a mother and son apart. I believe in a God of love. No one has a right to come between me and my son. Not even God. Ooh. Tell him, tell that to his, tell, tell him that <laughs> to his face. I want my boy. I mean to have him. He's mine. You understand? Mine, 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 forever and ever. He will be Pam. Everything will be yours. God Himself will be yours, but not in that way. Mm -hmm. Nothing can be yours by nature. Um, <laughs> That is just possession, you know. Cat's out of the bag. She she flipped out. Like she just 
Like this is the this is this is the true the the thing bubbling out of her heart. She was she was playing nice in the beginning. She was she's she's manifesting like this is mine. I I mean to have it. Tell God to His face. All right. And each of the ghosts has their pet thing that they say, "My God wouldn't be a real real God. God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't." It's your idea of God. Yeah. Each have their their pet view of God with their limitations on it. But then she gets to identify. I believe in a God of love. So mm-hmm. then, if you get to define then, the terms yeah. yourself, what she calls love. She's misidentified yeah, every term love. she's used. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Love is love. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I want to try to talk about the uh, lizard guy for a second. I think. Well, I would. Okay. Uh, I just before we moved on, I I don't actually know your name, but I'd love to hear your thoughts as a mother. Um, you don't have to have any, but mm-hmm. I'm just curious how this strikes you as you're reading it. And Actually, I was sitting here thinking, well, every single one of you are sons, and I'm the only mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is very interesting because for a Christian mother, too, there is such a heavy burden put on Christian mothers to have this perfect perfect relationship with your children and to be the best mother and and it gets so convoluted in allowing sons to especially I have a daughter too but three sons um, to grow up and become men and still have the correct kind of relationship with them I know it sounds kind of strange um, and then when they meet their wife to be to not want to say that this is mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and fight that feeling because yeah, it's pushed real hard on you. Yeah. That's interesting. And the uh, laying your whole life down for your children. Yeah, letting that go. See, we, well, I, my kids are just turning 12, so I have a few years yet before I have to yeah. work on letting them go. Um, even though my son's the last six years has been telling me, why can't he make his own decisions? He's his own person, <laughs> and he should be able to make all of his own decisions. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting when he's, when he's, when he's 18, and, and I, and I and try to do that now. <coughs> see what happens. Or he calls you needing help. (laughs) Yeah. I do tell them all the time, like, I cannot wait till you have your own kids. The phone calls I'm going to receive, yes, daddy, you were right. Thank you so much for saying that. I tell them all the time, I was like, I'm just, I'm laughing right now because I know this is going to be a phone call soon. Um, um, uh, Let's move on to the ghost and see if we can't knock some of this out. Uh, There was, there was a little bit more with, uh, with the mother, but it's, uh, Okay, uh, one more. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. He lost, C.S. Lewis lost his mother. Mm-hmm. So I think he, this came from a very personal place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Moore was the uh, the bereaved mother of his best mate in, in World War One that he actually, that lived with him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, if McGrath is correct, 
then Lewis carried on an affair with Patty Moore's mother, Mrs. Moore, um, up until they, I think they moved into the kilns, and then that relationship ceased. But she traveled with him as he traveled around as it was in the military, which was highly unusual for an older woman to do with a younger soldier uh, to travel around if they were just, they weren't intimate mm. at that point. So mm. um, maybe he pulled from bereaved a little bit from, from her, you know. So he had his first-hand look at, at that. Uh, all right, does anybody have anything else before I attempt to go again to, 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 to the lizard man? I mean, I, I love it. Keep, keep, keep pulling on stuff. I think that's fantastic. Um, I'm just here trying to keep the, the ship going in a, uh, a direction, so. But the, the, the woman saying it's mine, 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 we all fight that feeling in different areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. This is mine, and I'm not giving it up. Sure. Even in our, uh, you know, uh, husband and wife relationships, right? Yeah, there's some of that in each of these ghosts too, right? I mean, there's like the hard-bitten ghost. He's just he just wants his rights. You know, mm -hmm. that's just the kind of guy he is. And, and then there's 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 the other one. Well, with the lady we'll get to, where the the ghost really just wants to possess. Yeah. The intellectual person just wants to question things. Yeah, they each have their thing that they want. Their mm -hmm. idol. I guess it's just idolatry. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> yeah. it's just idolatry. <laughs> Which makes you take take stock of your own life and go, what, what are my idols? What do I need to to, to knock away? It's the original sin, really. It's the mm -hmm. seeing, it's telling telling God what is good rather than taking it from God as mm -hmm. to what is good. Mm. Um, focus on the self. Good in your own eyes. You know. mm. The moment that self becomes aware of self, it becomes selfish. And I think we can also look to, uh, to the, the Dawn Treader, because remember Eustace had a dragonish heart, right? It's, it mentions his dragonish heart, and, and then what winds up happening is he actually becomes the dragon, right? And so... Thinking dragonish thoughts on a dragon horde. Yeah. And you, you become that thing. Um, and so each of these people have become the thing they idolized. They become that. Yeah. Mm. Became Gollum. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, you know, my precious. You could you yeah. could see you could see this mother being very you know, uh, uh, my precious, my precious oh, yeah. boy. Give me my precious boy. That's yeah, true. So, and you see what what happens to somebody like Smeagol. You see the, the 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 devolution that happens when you become so engrossed in one thought and uh, uh, it's a uh, monomaniac and that one thing. Or the Satan figure, you know. And Ezekiel says that he was all these things, descriptive language that he was beautiful. Yeah. Of course, we've probably created a lot of different things, devil and pitchfork and all that over the centuries. Maybe he is that. Maybe he wants to be seen as that for fear, but maybe he's still beautiful. Who knows? But he's still he's devolved. Mm -hmm. He's not what he once was. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. And he idolized himself. So, yeah. He must decrease. He must increase, and I must decrease. Yeah. There's that that whole concept um, <coughs> of scripture that tells us that. Yeah. So that's the important part of daily 
lifting the Lord up above all yeah. that we have. Yeah. All of mine, my mind, my, my yeah. children, my home, my husband, my, you know, all that. Well, David mentioned earlier about our vocation. And so many times I have the quote-unquote callings, you know, that have been in my life that I've idolized and put them up there. Mm -hmm. Like, no, God, I can't do that because I, this has to happen. Mm -hmm. And then, and it's just this, what if you die today? What, what, do, will that have mattered? Or will how you've treated people, will that matter more than whether people remember your name in 50 years? You go, well, yes, if I'm going to heaven, I'm going to wherever, whatever heaven. To, to be with you, then, as it says in the last battle, this is the this is the title and the cover of the book. Mm -hmm. we haven't, I haven't even started the first chapter yet. It's okay if I didn't get something accomplished. You know, it's how did you treat people? Mm -hmm. you, did you love God? Did you love your neighbor? Did you put God first? Did you seek the kingdom? <clears throat> you go, oh. Would you rather be written in books in the heavens or books on earth? You know, it's like, dang. When, when we get the lady, right? Yeah. She has this procession coming after her, right? And he's like, "Oh, she must be very important." He's like, "I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know her." Sally, Sally Smith. <laughs> Nobody on earth, but in heaven, she is. Um, she's elevated. You go, oh, that. Yeah, there's, store my treasure up in heaven. I think there's actually. I think it's in Luke 16, a uh, parable of the shrewd manager. Mm -hmm. There's something about using your resources on earth to benefit people and then apparently in the kingdom there's there's a relationships that happen because of that so so these the, all these things come back because they're they seem to be true to human nature that yeah, I, I may be Elon Musk worth, you know, I don't know, $300 billion. What does that mean in the kingdom of God? I don't know that it means anything. But we have uh, Betsy Tinboom, who looks and has pity and compassion on a German soldier and prays for them. And go. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Which one, which one has more weight in the kingdom? Yeah. You go, I, I bet Betsy probably has more, more weight in the kingdom than mm-hmm. uh, even though she was starving to death and a flea-infested concentration camp being beaten. And she says, <clears throat> I forgive. Those words, I forgive, may have more to do with any technological advancement upon human history. That yeah. forgiveness. And you go, wow, okay. Yeah. You'd rather build rockets to get out of here or would you just get a float? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of my biggest fears of success is forgetting that success doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, like, I, I want, and I think that's probably the case for most people who are at the top, is one of the the thing that they fear most is, is real is like knowing for certain that everything that they've accomplished is useless. It's Ecclesiastes right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, everything is vanity, man. Uh, over and over again. Yeah. Deion Sanders actually said that after he won the Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, he won. He's like he chased this his entire mm-hmm. life since he was a kid. When he won it, he went, "If this is all there is, I've missed it," mm-hmm. and he went. And gave his life to Christ wow. that night. <laughs> you go. He's like, because if that's all it is, once I won this and it's, it's over, that's there's. Yeah. I gotta wake up tomorrow and grind and like, oh, I yeah, I, I missed something along the way. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where we're. Um, I think it just takes such an insane amount of reminding. To remember that, yeah, yeah, because like the number of stimuli that you take in every day that yeah. tells you the opposite exactly. is like, mm-hmm. like every single moment, it's just all the time. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like, it's just yeah, it's just really really remarkable to me how, so. how much you really do have to focus on, like the truth and on like all right, like the one thing I'm gonna do today is seek the kingdom of God, you right. know? because. It's not going to be number two. <laughs> like it's probably not going to happen if it's not near, if it's not at the top of my list. Wow. But like yeah. living that way is like, yeah. I mean, I can, I can just totally relate to you because it's like, I, you know, even being, even growing up, being told all these stories and knowing like, hey, like all these things are false and all these things are idols and all these things are temptations and whatever. It's still like, it'd be pretty nice to be successful. <laughs> it's like, dude, like, what am I doing? Somehow one must spend his 20s figuring that out and realizing, no, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's a summation of my 20s. (laughs) But it's still, it's still, it's like, it doesn't matter, like, it just, it doesn't matter, like you said, it it just, you get it every day, you get it every second of every day, even in the places you think you get it the least. Mm. Like, um, I've been in a room full of people who I know are far more righteous than I am. Mm. And even in that space, you can see people jockeying mm-hmm. uh, for for that wow. for that earthly success. And I'm and then I'm tempted to jockey too. Right. <laughs> and and I, like, yeah. 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 It's like, I, I got some stuff. I got my game. One of my one of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah thirty one. That kind of that whole section there because it's Israel I'm paraphrasing, but they. It's like, well, we kicked ourselves in our pants when we realized how much we made a mistake, and then they returned to God and 
it says mark well the path by which you came instead of guideposts to mark, mark, yeah. mark the way and that reminded me of reminders so like every bit along the way you know you put something on the trail to remember how you got there mm-hmm. so that's one that's been one one thing I got to have as a mantra yeah Israel got fed off the land, which was a prophecy in Deuteronomy 32 anyways. It's like, dang, remember the God who brought you out? Oh, no, never mind. All right. <laughs> yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah. even, and even, like, even the secular world knows this, too, about, about like, the reminders of where you come from. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's ingrained in our American underdog ideology. Like, that's like yeah. a... And then, like, you even see some people who are at the top, who, who are almost certainly not people of faith, who are like... I put these things here to remind myself where I came from, you know, mm-hmm. and like you hear that a lot from people who have reached the top. Uh, the Rock, in particular, likes <laughs> to throw that one out. And 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 to his credit, to his credit, he is known throughout the entire industry as the hardest working guy in Hollywood. He just doesn't stop, and he he doesn't he doesn't treat people poorly from what, from what I've heard. So, but it's like that reminder is super mm. super important. Mm. Well, and what you just said then loops around to the very beginning where we were asking why does Lewis's writing resound Mm. as truth through it because it's built on the foundation of truth. So even a person who doesn't know Christ but builds their life on a foundation of truth, they're still going to be successful. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Like Peterson, I mean, he's aiming. What are you aiming at? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm. So there was... There was an interesting moment in, in the Homestead Festival we went to um, over the weekend. So Kevin Costner was the the, uh, the entertainment headliner, his band Modern West. And so he came down the middle of the entire audience, and there were several thousand people there, came down the middle of it. They showed his movie clips before he came out. Not his music, his movie clips. And as he walks down through there, people are just cheering. It was, it was an incredible moment. And as he gets to the stage, <coughs> he, he says very humbly, every person should get to experience what I experienced right there once in their life. You go, huh. That wasn't, that wasn't what I expected. And then he talked about how he didn't know what he was going to do in life, so he did... He, was, uh, he worked on a fishing boat, he worked on a construction crew, he did all these things, and he's like, he told his dad, I'm gonna be a, an actor. He goes, my dad's head hit the table, he was disappointed. <laughs> he goes, and then I came back to dad, I know what I know what I'm gonna do now, I'm gonna direct. He goes, my dad's head hit the table even harder. He's like, you've been pretty good with this acting thing, why would you go and direct? So he goes, I started, I started directing, he goes, then I wanted to decided to I wanted to go back to music. I possibly trained on piano. When I decided to music, I didn't tell my dad anything. I figured he'll find out if I'm successful. And I'll be away uh, from that. And just huh. he cared so much about pleasing his father. And you think this guy is one of the best actors, you know, in the history of Hollywood, and yet he still he still has concerns of failure. And you go, and he's still humble. And you go, that's. That's interesting to those guideposts, you know, mm-hmm. that that, would, that we that we look at. And I thought that was that was that was encouraging for me to hear somebody that successful just be like, "Yeah, I'm out here trying to do this music thing." Mm-hmm. Like, 
you don't have to do anything. <laughs> like, why would you do? Most people are like, yeah, I have a TV show back in the '80s. I'm still getting, you know, money from uh, from syndicate, you know. And like, no, he's like, he's actually aiming and doing something and trying to uh, create something. But and he just got off Yellowstone. Yes, yeah. he just finished on Friday. They flew him down on Saturday. Oh man, to to, <laughs> to have a concert. Oh, and he's actually quite good. Very very impressive. And like his voice is not amazing. He's not he's not gonna blow you away with anything. But it's a solid country voice. Band is good. Music's upbeat. I'm like oh, you could be successful. <laughs> Got a few albums out there. So, uh, yeah, it, it, but I like where our head's at in this. I like what this book is, where the book is taking us. Um, because it gets, I don't know, uh, Joel, and, and Joel, you can speak to this. Um, in my 20s, I was figuring things out, right? Just trying to put it together, trying to learn the skills and the tools. In my 30s, I started applying this, the, this, the, the tools, and had some success and then my wife and I are big dreamers so we continue to dream and we take, we take, we take great risks um, because that usually brings the great reward but sometimes if you miss it's you crash and you burn um, but in my mid 40s I will say I'm, I'm starting to be a little worried and I'm starting to go, I'd like to have some of that secular success. Um, I'd like to have some security in these things. I'd like to, oh, did I, did I miss something along the way while I was following after the kingdom, you know? And King David said, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, my foot almost slipped. And, and I, I have to say, I've seen that in, in my mid-40s of me going, Oh, I need to be successful. So when we're watching when I'm on Instagram and things like that, you see all these people being successful. And you're like, I have to keep up. I have to keep up. And it's like, there's no way to keep up. There's no way to measure yourself with that. Um, and the Holy Spirit, I felt like, told me one time, um, I have people doing that. You don't need to do that. I want you to do this. I've got 7,000 have a bow their knee to, bow their knee to bail. I, that's, not your, that's not your realm. I need you over here. It's like, but there's nothing happening over here. It's like, I, I know, I know, but I need you here. While the rest of the world's going that way and being successful, I'm like, why do you have me here? But um, it's a faith journey. Mm -hmm. And it's been very, very difficult in my mid-40s to do that because I don't know what it's going to do. I don't know provisions for my family. I don't know how to set things up. You know, you start to think about things very differently. Um, but this book's been very encouraging going, even if I miss it all, I miss the mark by a mile, 10 miles, it may not even matter. And so that's, that's encouraging. So. Yep. No doubt. Because I, I think I'm working harder now in my mid-40s than I ever did in my 20s. And I worked very hard in my 20s. So... Um, I'm just wondering, like, is there, is there a respite? <laughs> Dude, don't say that. I feel like I've gotten, I feel like I've gotten more hardworking as years have gone on. It's like, it's not ending. <laughs> so, I hear you, though. I hear what you're yeah. saying, man. Yeah. yeah. But, but when it all boils down to, 
your children are serving the Lord, and then having parents pass away, like my husband and I have recently, and it all comes down to the hospital bed, their family around the bed, telling them they love them, mm -hmm. and then knowing they're going to heaven, that really is all it boils down to. Mm -hmm. I, I do feel like uh, in the Titanic, the, the captain of the ship, looking at Rose and saying, "I wish I would have built you a better ship, Rose." Mm. You know, that's that's where I find myself right now in my mid forties, going, looking at my family, going, "I wish I'd have done better." You know, but in the end, it may it may all come out in the wash, and things may you know seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be be added unto you. And so that's kind of the promises that I'm that I'm leaning towards, but. Here, reading all these stories and going, it's really about dying. It's really about giving and sacrificing. Um, that in the end, we store up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. And everything happened exactly as it was going to happen. So. It could have been different, wouldn't have been, been better, as yeah. Michael says, yeah. right? But it, yeah. my life could have been different, but not necessarily. Yeah. Right. Uh, things yeah. would, have been, would have been better had I had more success or less success. But I, if I have to work this hard until I put me in the grave, I, I'll do it. Only thirty. That's how I feel. So I'm like, dang, <clears throat> dang, twenty's got me good. But hopefully yeah. by the time I'm mid forty. Yeah, you know, you, you hope you yeah. hope in your mid forties you're like building, you have wealth, you have resources and things, and sometimes it doesn't happen like yeah. that. I don't have any guidance. <laughs> Thank from, you. From the fifties. <laughs> Well, guys, this gotta this, keep keep hauling. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that's what I that's what I plan on doing. Um, this is uh, this was really good tonight. I felt like this we 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 went uh, some deep places. Um, that's what I love. Lewis pulls these things out of us. Even so, Walter Hooper said in the Inkling meetings, he said Lewis wasn't he wasn't always the one saying everything. What he did is he facilitated great thoughts from other people. He created the atmosphere. He goes, there were times, Walter says, there were times that I waxed eloquent and like, oh, did I just say that? Because that was really good. He said, the, the Inklings created this atmosphere where, where things could flow and, and great thoughts could happen and, and revelation could, could be sparked and, and, and be come to. So um, when we, we have these things where we start going and, and, and diving into that, that's, that's what we want. That's the good stuff. Uh, getting through the book is not necessarily good stuff. Get, getting to the, 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 the ooey-gooey of, 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 of Lewis and, and of ourselves is kind of where we want to get to. So I appreciate you guys just ripping the cover off and going for it. That's, uh, that's awesome. Because we, we're, we are a, a truncated group tonight, but I, I think we made up uh, in quality for uh, the, the quantity that, that we usually have. So... Um, I think, yeah, look at this, 827, we, we ended that one just right on the nose. Didn't get to Lizard Man. Lizard Man, Lizard Man. Lizard Man. <laughs> and yeah, Lizard Man and the Lady. So let, let's focus on Lizard, Lizard Man and the Lady next time. Um, come with your favorite quotes or your favorite passages that you want to talk about. Um, and we'll try to, to um, do that next week and...
I really want to get the great uh, to uh, the weight of glory. I think that's that's going to take us a couple uh, classes to get uh, a couple of uh, sessions to get through. So maybe we try to um, we try to do the lizard man and the lady, and then we get to we just try to wrap up great divorce next week, and we'll just do a we'll do a very fast go through the lizard man, hit the highlights, and and then the lady we'll try to spend a little more time on her. And then we'll just wrap it up and then get to Weight of Glory. Because I think you guys are going to, everything we've talked about when we get to Weight of Glory, it's going to seem uh, amazing. Last time we did this, no pressure, David. Last time we did Weight of Glory, we, he, had, he had sort of an out-of-body experience that was absolutely incredible where he pulled an old-school moment and goes, guys, what did I just say? I blacked out. I don't know what I said. Uh, and it was just it, it was incredible. It was amazing. Somebody remember what I said. <laughs> uh, it was. It had to do with the Shadowlands and our translucent selves mm. and the actual weight of yes. glory upon us. Yes. Yes. And uh, why? It's it's a severe mercy that his full weight is not given to us. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, and our even our desires aren't given to us. <laughs> Um, he has restraint. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, so what what I found when I was in in Oxford, and I was so close to quote unquote my dream, um, it is almost in a sense a, a severe mercy that I that I wound up back here, because I began to think that I had opened all those doors, and I began to think of my own intellect had got me there, and God was very clear that He opened those doors for me. And I know this because I did nothing. Doors just were open and I walked through them. And I'm trying to open doors now and they will not open. Mm. They are completely shut. And so I feel like Niggle going, I guess I'll just work the garden for a while. And uh, we'll, <laughs> in the workhouse, I'm, just gonna, I'm in the workhouse. I'm just going to, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm just going to get okay with the workhouse for a little That's bit. Good. And so... Um, Everything that we've gone through this year has really just, I think, hit me in a way. I have, I'm just now starting to put together all the stuff where it's like, oh, this is, this was, this may have just been for me. Well, you guys are just here just, just to be like my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> this is and you mentioned like the timing of, 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 of world events as well, and how you were in place for all that with having the, the farm. Oh yeah, yeah. The, with world events, the way they happen, having the farm and, and starting the farm and all that kind of stuff actually has been, I actually have a blessing that I would not have had access to had it gone a different direction. Mm -hmm. but. And we got to work together during a lot of that crazy stuff. Yeah. Which, which was hopeful for me. Yeah. So that's you were back. So who would I work with or would I have even worked at all? What if I even changed? You know? Everything is so connected. Butterfly, butterfly. Yeah. Butterfly. Absolutely. Alright, uh, guys, lizard man and the lady mm. come again next week and we'll finish the book further up. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 